From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello and welcome to episode 211 of the Anxiety Project podcast. I am Brad Robinson. Today I have a Q&A episode. Great questions pertaining to anxiety from you guys in the recovery community. And if I don't get around to your question, just note that I might get to it next time. So bear that in mind. Um, Today's quote that I want to share with you is from Carl Jung, clinical psychologist Carl Jung. And he says that your vision will become clear only when you can look into your own heart. Who looks outside dreams? Who looks inside awakes? Really, really good. The first question that I'm answering today on this episode is from Lawrence. Thank you, Lawrence, for this question. Where do you find meaning when you feel completely lost and stuck in anxiety? Huge. This is huge. So, Lawrence, great question. The first thing I want to talk about in regards to this question is that you must look locally towards the mess around you and you define the mess, right? So what I mean by this is look to your own room, look to the state of your house, pick a corner. If your house is in so much disarray, look to a corner and fix up the corner, sort out the papers, organize, get rid of stuff. And this is so important for anxiety recovery because your ta- these small goals are enormous. They're not so small. They seem small, but they're not small. And I'll tell you why. The first thing is that you get a dopamine kick when you complete a small goal. So the small goal is to sort out the sock drawer, right? And you complete that goal. It's sorted out. You put all the old socks in a bag. You throw out really ragged ones. And you're only left with a structured sock drawer. Everything is in its right place. And it's very minimal now because you threw out all the garbage socks. And so you get a dopamine kick. You feel good. And this is the feel-good neurochemical, right? The goal is completed and you get this positive emotion. And that positive emotion actually provides you with energy to pursue the next dopamine kick. And the next dopamine kick is going to come from the next task. You feel good about completing the task. Your mind is going to move towards the next problem that you can solve and it builds on your competency that's crucial to know each small win builds on your competency and then you get the dopamine kick that provides you with more fuel to go to the next task and then you know just by completing one you might even complete four or five that day and that's why looking towards what's local what can be solved locally is crucial for anxiety recovery. I remember before when I was going through my recovery, 
I would clean up my car and I would feel good. And my car is clean. I vacuumed it. I washed the mats. I, I wiped the insides. It felt good. And then I would be motivated to do something else. I'd go inside and then I would go up to my room and then organize some papers. I'll be like, huh, I felt good. And then the next thing I, I know, I'm at the library and I'm reading right? And things are stacking up. Those small wins, they stack up. And by the end of the day, you put your head on the pillow and you're like, man, I got like five things done today. Now, here's the thing. When I come into contact with somebody or I'm coaching somebody with severe depression, and I mean depression where they can't even get out of bed, their small win might even be, how about you get out of bed and you make a cup of tea, and then you go back into bed. That's the goal of the day. And for some people, that's the goal. It, you know, if the person can't even get out of bed to make the tea, their goal of the day is to sit upright in bed. You have to bring the edge of development down to the level they are at. So the size of their dragon that they need to fight with needs to be in proportion to their current level of competency just so that they are on that edge. And so once they get to that edge and they discover within themselves that they can tolerate that, then they can move a little bit inch by inch more outside of that tolerance, building upon their tolerance into other areas, into other small wins. And this builds and builds and builds over time and it builds on your competency. That's huge. So the each small win has a ripple effect. But when it comes to meaning, Lawrence, here's the thing. Meaning comes when you see yourself progressing in a direction towards a goal. That's actually where meaning comes from. It's not walking hand in hand on a beach towards the sunset as you know that's great sometimes. But if you're sitting on the beach drinking margaritas all day, that's not really a a goal. That's that's just you just become a beach alcoholic and after day 2 or 3 you're just going to be depressed because human beings need a load. They need some sort of progression, a goal. That's where meaning comes from. Happiness is fleeting. Happiness just pops up once in a while. And when you're really happy, you're really impulsive. That's what you see in two-year-olds, right? They're really happy and then they're impulsive and they get themselves hurt and they they, they get into trouble, right? And that's fleeting. But true meaning comes from bearing a load and finding that the edge of your tolerance and just inching, inching out little by little towards what's tough and what makes you uncomfortable. And then you know, in a year from now, if you do that a little bit every single day, a year from now, you'll be like, man, look how far out of of that conservative bubble I walked, right? Or, you know, it's you've 
you don't know how much you can do until you step outside of what's so familiar and so comfortable. So meaning does come from growth. It comes from effort. It comes from those small goals. So if you're feeling stuck, you have to shrink the goals enough. And this is what this is also what's so cool is that you might discover larger dragons underneath the small goals. So all of these small all of these small dragons are hiding these really tough monsters, right? So you tackle the small wins, and this is what I did in my own recovery. I tackled, you know, just cutting back on coffee a little bit, caffeine, right? So I would minimize it. I would I would buy a cup of coffee from the coffee shop, half decaf, half caffeine, and I would start small, and then I'd work my way to full decaf coffee, right? And then I would work my way to less cream, less sugar, and so little by little, I was, I was stepping outside of what was familiar. And so once I conquered the, the caffeine, I then conquered the toxic relationships, or then I conquered the weed, then I conquered the small winds around, you know, small winds around my house. Before the weed, I would say, the small winds would be like cleaning up my car, cleaning up my room. Uh, donating stuff to the thrift store. Then I would work my way up to larger uh, addictions like weed, pornography, and social media, and um, and YouTube usage, and TV time. Right? It's you. You start with the goals that you feel are most attainable, and then when you conquer them, you feel like, well, hey, I can get these larger ones because I want to get that dopamine kick. I want to feel good. Let's see how far I can go with all of this. So that's where I'm going to leave you, Lawrence, with your question. Thank you for sending that in. And just remember the meaning comes from your progression towards some sort of goal. Tracy has a great question here. She says, I am very hard on myself with my self-talk. The things I tell myself put me down and can sometimes ruin my day. What can I do to change this chatter? Tracy, our thoughts determine how we react towards ourselves and the outside world. Thoughts lead to a certain emotional state. Sometimes the thoughts become so well practiced that you don't even recognize the thought you just notice your emotional state you just feel bad you feel stressed you're not yourself whatever or whoever that is right you're so engulfed in your ego and that's what I was going through when I was suffering from anxiety I was so identified with who I thought I was you know the thoughts my thought patterns were like a record player. It's the same thought patterns over and over and over again on repeat every day to the point where I just felt the emotion rather than I noticed what I was actually thinking. And so what meditation did for me was it helped my mind to observe the thoughts rather than reacting to them. 
being comfortable with the thoughts, observing them. And the more I was disciplining myself, Tracy, the more I moved out of this really dark place in my life. And I was sacrificing a lot of things, you know, weed, alcohol, toxic relationships. I was sacrificing habits I knew to be, well, comforting and safe. And I sacrificed them for more challenging and more responsibility. Let's just leave it at that. More responsibility. And so I know because the person I am now is so separated from the person I used to be that I could end up that way because I was that person. I was the person who cheated, lied, stole, uh, and did things that made me feel ashamed and guilty all the time. And now that I'm not that person, I am so aware that I could be that person. And we are all capable of dark things because Carl Jung says, the dark parts of us, all of us, all of human humankind, we are all capable of dark things. And there are parts of our personality that stem and reach all the way down into hell. There are tendril-like things hooking us into, into hell, and we can all slide there if we entertain certain thoughts we see this in the Cain and Abel story where Cain is left brooding and he's filled with resentment and bitterness over Abel's proper sacrifices this was the old Brad I was resentful and bitter over those successful people who are getting things and getting those women and getting those cars and and pursuing great jobs and buying homes, I was very envious and I just entertained that side. But I never made the right sacrifices like those people who were getting that success. And so for me, I noticed that when I started to question the thought, Things started to change. So question the thought. That's my first piece of advice. So if you have a thought about something terrible happening to a family member, someone you love, I reacted as if I am a terrible person for thinking that thought. But then instead, I now question the thought. I'll say, do I truly think? want that to happen to that person. And then there will be this rational voice that pops in and say, of course not. I'd also use that rational voice to shoo away limiting thoughts. I'd say, yeah, yeah, I hear you, but you must leave. You must get out of here. Or I'd say, I reject that and say it like a mantra until the pathway that has generated that well-practiced thought lessens in strength. So challenge the thought, Tracy. Also, writing it out on paper, super important. You may just discover an underlying fear 
behind the thought. Understand what that fear is. Why would you happen to fear this? Until we confront the fear and accept it, which means we are no longer trying to control it so much, then it will still have a hold over you. So reframing the fear. For example, just say you have a fear of having a serious illness. So you write it out. What's behind that that fear even? Well, if I have a well, so what if I have an illness? Well, then my kids won't have a father. So what if your kids don't have a father? Well, then this will happen. Well, so what if that happens? Then this will happen. I mean, we all have fears, especially because we're so conscious, right? We're conscious of time. We're conscious of our vulnerabilities. So reframe the fear. Look at it from a different perspective. How could you solve this fear? It's playing itself out continuously in you because it's an unactualized low resolution problem still playing within your unconscious mind. So shine a light on it, Tracy. What's the fear exactly? How can you overcome this fear? Shine a light on it. Desensitize yourself. It's Voldemort's name, right? The the name we must not speak of. But the more times you speak the name, the less sensitized you will become over the name. The more you confront the thing lurking in the darkness, the more competent you become. I mean, for me, Tracy, going back to the first question that came from Lawrence, when I was getting those small wins, I was improving on my self-dialogue. Because I was tackling uncomfortable situations, I was making myself uncomfortable, I was developing a new self-talk. I was ignoring the voices that was saying, no, I should probably not do that. Don't do that, Brad. Because we want to take the path of least resistance. We want, we want to take the easy road. And so when I would go into a cold shower, before I would hop in, my that voice would give me 101 different excuses not to go in there, but I'd bypass that. And the more times you bypass that voice, the more competent you become. And when it shows up later in the day, you're more likely going to bypass it again because you strengthened a new pathway and you've lessened the old irrational childlike voice that's preventing you to from facing that pain and discomfort so that's my answer to your question thank you for sending that in last question comes from nicholas really really good this is good why is it so hard to reach out to those who are there to hold you accountable before a relapse I know I won't be judged or ridiculed by them, but I believe the lie regardless. Awesome question. It is hard to reach out to those right before you relapse. And here is the kicker, Nicholas. The more you hold the image of the temptation in your mind, the more likely you will give in 
and do it. It's like when you're driving. If you look out to the right at a point in the distance, the car will slowly drift towards your aim. It'll slowly drift towards the right. So if you entertain the thought enough, you will get what you project. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So I think that you don't reach out, Nick, and I'm talking about myself because this has happened to me before because I went through a lot of addictions. Well, you don't reach out because you already made up your mind because of how much you've already entertained the thought, the image of whatever it is that's tempting you. You already made up your mind. And so that's part of it, right? So why not hold on to a different image of a of an outcome or action you actually want instead? You hold that in your mind, then you will drift the car towards that aim, that goal. And I also, Nick, I think that it's the fear of being judged by your mentors that prevents you from reaching out to them as well. Maybe you're ashamed of your inadequacies. Sure, that's a possibility. You don't want to tell them the raw truth. And of course. So I think for me, when I, you know, there's that moment where you might consider it. The rational voice does pop in and say, hey, you should probably reach out to your mentor and say, you know, you might relapse. You know, yeah, you might think that, but because you've entertained the thought of the temptation long enough, you've already made up your mind. And then I also want to dive into the trigger because the trigger produces the thoughts and feelings that are well practiced at this point, these pathways that lead you towards the addiction are well practiced. And then you unconsciously play out the habit. So imagine you have a habit of watching pornography and you get a series of images and thoughts before you even turn on the computer. Those thoughts and images are a strong pathway in the brain they are it's well practiced it's stronger than you so when something triggers those thoughts and images to occur in the brain that already that's a pathway that leads you right towards the addiction so understanding the trigger is really crucial here those situations that you know you might want to avoid because it'll lead you into the addiction. Think of it like a predatory animal knocking at your door and you invited it in, you even knowing that it could lead to your downfall, but you you start to entertain it, right? And then you start to dance with it a little bit. And then... Because you're dancing and entertaining it, well, now you're in too deep. Now you're having your third, fourth drink with the predatory animal and 
Well, at this point, I mean, you're way less likely to conquer it. So you want to nip it in the butt as soon as possible. If you're entertaining it too long, then it, that could be too late. You want to nip it as soon as possible. Sure, you can get triggered by it. Doesn't mean you're going to go right to the addiction. You can nip it in the butt early on. But the more you entertain it in your mind and you start to kind of daydream about it, then, man, too far, too far. And and watch where you place yourself. Those situations that you know could be potentially harmful, that could lead you back into patterns that you really, really want to break. So avoiding those get-togethers or events that will trigger those cravings is highly recommended. You have to make the right sacrifices. What are you willing to sacrifice, right? Going to the event for your higher self, right? Is it worth taking that risk? Or go to the event and have a setback and relapse and then beat yourself up over it. That's something worth thinking about. And that's where I'm going to leave you on today's podcast episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for those great questions and for listening. Please, if you haven't already, rate and review the podcast. It's on Spotify, it's on Google Podcast, and it's on Apple. It's on iTunes. So go rate and review the podcast so that it can reach more people who are suffering. It's really, really important. Please share and like this podcast. And lastly, rise above anxiety. I will see you next time on the podcast or it could be on the YouTube channel. Bye for now. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery starts now.